we do want to put faith in the fact that we should be talking about bilateral mastectomy, even if you only have one little mass in one gland, right? We should be, for the if the owner is going to go for surgery, we should be talking about bilateral mastectomy. And it's certainly okay to do it in a staged fashion, right? for saying sorry media presents the per podcast the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips tricks and updates for the entire veterinary professional healthcare team if you are dying to know more about cats keep on listening here are your hosts dr susan little famous cat vet and author of multiple textbooks and dr yola kerpenstein talented surgeon and social media geek Hello again, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is podcast number seven. And I am going so to forget how much, what the number is. So that's why we have Dr. <laughs> Susan here. Hello, well, Susan. I, I'm not going to remember either, but it doesn't matter. We're having, you know, we don't remember because we're having so much fun. So how are you tonight, Yola? I know, it's crazy. So uh, once again, uh, this is podcast number seven. Uh, these are the podcasts that we're going to dive deep into some articles and discuss uh, what the article is bringing us. But before we do that, uh, Susan, can you tell me anything that happened last week that is really cool? Something that happened last week that was really yeah, cool? Yeah, for you. So what are you doing right now? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so what's really cool is that I actually get a vacation. That's cool. Woohoo! Yep, I am on vacation. I- and that's amazing because you have definitely superseded me in the amount of travel <laughs> that you do. Uh, I always was a crazy guy that was traveling everywhere. But now, how many flights did you already do? Oh, gosh. It's in the 90s, isn't it? Around 90, 91. Yeah. And, you know, this is not a good thing. This is not something anybody should be trying to, you know, trying to do. No, we talked about that last year. Yeah. I remember not- that. Yeah, I know. It's not I a know, good thing. I, I know, I know, I know. So, but, you know, you must like it in some way because otherwise you wouldn't do it. But I can imagine it's nice to be home and just relax a yeah. little bit. Uh, and it's nice to friends. be on vacation. I'm in a beautiful yeah. part of Canada. I'm in Nova Scotia. And I know that you are home in Kansas. And it's hopefully nice weather where you are too, right? It is very sunny, as a matter of fact, so it's looking good, and everything looks kind of green-brown. It has been very, very dry. I think in a lot of areas in the world, it's dry. Yeah. It's global warming that's playing around here, but uh, so uh, yeah. my yard doesn't look as good as normal, but uh, I'm trying to preserve some water because everything is uh, is very, very dry. And um, Well, it's very green here, so... Mm, Sunny and green. It must rain a lot. 
Oh, I guess enough. It rains enough. It rains enough. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, right. we're inside. We're out of the sun. We're out of the rain because we have something cool to talk about, right? Yes, we have. So this is the, the second article that we're going to discuss, and this time I will present it. And just because mm. of you, I chose a surgery article. Yeah, but can I, can I say just one thing before you start? What? This article will win the prize of all the articles we've talked about so far for the largest number of authors. I know, not only the largest <laughs> number of authors, but also the largest number of cats involved. Yeah, that's a good thing. So the article that we're going to talk about is published in JAFMA, the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association, volume 252, uh, June 1, 2018. We really want to make this actual, so this is what's happening. And yeah. the whole reason that Susan and I do this is there's one reason, and that's we both feel that there is not enough literature about cats and cat medicine. Yeah. And um, and the reason, so I, you know, I was very optimistic, and I dove into the latest JAFMA uh, journal, which was I think July or August or something like that. And I was looking, I was like, okay, cat article, cat article, cat article, cat article, and there was hmm. nothing. The only thing that was there yeah. was we talked about horses and dogs and dogs and dogs and dogs and dogs and dogs. And I the only that. thing there was, there was a, you know, a response to the article that we're going to discuss now. And I was all excited, so I was flipping through the pages to that card article, and there was a really small little section that said, we are very oh. sorry, but we misspelled the name of one of the authors. Oh, no. That was it. Well, but, you know, you should apologize for that. I, you should. and But, yeah. I mean, it's also really easy because there's like 100 authors on there almost. It's a very international paper. And one of the authors, I will point out to you, did you notice? One of the authors on this paper is actually from Ottawa, Ontario, where, where I practice. Oh, really? Who? Yeah. Dr. Lichak. Oh, Julius, yeah, he's fantastic. He's yeah. such an amazing surgeon, yeah. So I can imagine that he would work with anything. Yes, Sarah's on there. And yeah, uh, Amit is on there. He's also uh, working uh, in Canada, so there's quite a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. And there are some Europeans on there. So this is really a, uh, a multi-institutional collaboration. The title of the article is Association of Surgical Approach with Complication Rate progression-free survival time, and disease-specific survival time in cats with memory adenocarcinoma. And they have 107 cases, and those mm. cases are collected from the 1990s until mm. 2014. So, ooh, yeah. what a work. That is a so lot it's of a retrospective. Work. it's a retrospective case series, right? And they're all client-owned animals. It is. 107 of them. So that's amazing. And, you know, we do a lot of retrospective uh, uh, article reviews because there are a lot of retrospective articles, which probably is the lowest on the totem pole for scientific evidence. Yeah. We always have to point that yeah. out. I always wait with my little pyramid and say, hey, that's, this is a pyramid on the top. Uh, you know, you have... Uh, uh, randomized critical meta-analysis, mm. and then on the bottom you uh, you have case reports, and mm. retrospective analysis are just, it's like a big case report. 
really, if you think mm, about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. but getting 107 cases, wonderfully done by this group. I think uh, Dr. Mayhew is, uh, is the big proponent of, uh, of this article. We're very, very happy uh, that it was published. So we applaud them 100%. Yeah. And, and knowing Definitely. the fact that 80% of memory tumors in cats are malignant, this is a good article to read because it tells you some really, really important facts. So, um, so yeah. what they did... And that's really uh, important. It's really important to remember, though. I think I just want to draw a line under what you just said before you talk mm-hmm. about the article. That in dogs, you certainly have a good chance that a mammary mass is benign, but in cats, it's malignant until proven otherwise. Yeah, 50-50 in dogs, I always say. Uh, ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so 80%. As a matter of fact, I always tell owners 90%. So I was, I stand corrected here by this article. But it is a lot of the cats that are, are, that deal with malignant disease. So you don't have a lot of chances and you better do it right the first time. That's what it's all about. So they looked at medical records and really what they wanted to know is if a unilateral approach or unilateral mastectomy taking one whole side or a bilateral mastectomy taking both sides at the same time, if there was a difference in survival time and disease-free interval. Uh, and then they had a couple of cases that had a stage bilateral, which means that you first take one side, you wait a couple of weeks, and then you take the other side. And uh, they looked at all these cats with retrospective, uh, and, we're, and we'll go through some of uh, the conclusions and, uh, and relevance. Uh, but it is clear that we have a big winner of those three methods, that you should use. Yeah. The one thing I have to say, and that's always the problem with these uh, these studies, is, uh, and I'm a big statistics buff. I love statistics. So one, <laughs> they did wonderful statistics in this article. What they could and should have done, they did. So 100% Great. very, very positive the approach that they used. Um, but the problem with these cases is there's so many variables in it, it really yeah. makes statistics and statistical relevance you know, limited. So we need to talk about yeah. that. And, and and one of the, the, the big no-nos is really there's a time limitation. So most of the cats that got unilateral mastectomy were early cases and the yeah. bilateral ones are later cases. So we have this skewing of the data because of that. So if we cannot, if we probably cannot compare completely both groups, uh, but there is quite a big significant difference in uh, in survival times uh, between these groups. Just to uh, to make the big announcement, you know, if you have a cat with memory carcinoma, you better do bilateral mastectomy. Either so, even space. if there's just one little lump in one gland, I'm still okay. doing bilateral mastectomy. Yes, after you diagnose it's a carcinoma, which in 80% it is we advise to do bilateral mastectomies because the yeah. chance that it either will recur or that it will grow in another gland is too high. Very rarely is it only one little spot. You can't see them, but they're there. So we really advise to do a bilateral mastectomy. And and so let's, so the two, there's three things that they were interesting in, interested in, and that's called uh, the zero hypothesis. So, they want to show you some some things. Um, one is if there's a difference between bilateral and unilateral. We just talked about that. Then they wanted to look. They 
estimated that the complications for both techniques would be the same. And that third thing yep. is that if you give chemo genes to these cats, uh, that they would do better. And, and why yep. do they do that? Because there is some discussion about chemotherapy. You know, uh, most of the studies said it will help, but there is one study where they had a control group, which is better than just mm -hmm. a retrospective. And that shows yeah. me that chemo didn't do anything. So that was yeah. a little worrisome. Yeah. And so they yeah. really wanted to look at it. And then they had zillions of factors that they looked at. And that is immediately the weakness of the study because the mm. more factors you have, the more difficult it is to prove anything and you need a lot of cases. So I calculated already like six or seven, eight, nine, ten factors that they, they looked at, which really makes the, the, the power of this study uh, not so high. But yeah. we're having set that. But we can look at the big picture, right? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. uh, so, and and then hopefully we can answer that question uh, 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 if we should do a bilateral mastectomy. Um, and then I can give you some of my personal feelings too uh, about it. So, if we look at the results, I'm just going to summarize it. Is that okay. complications occurred in about 20% of the cats with unilateral yeah. mastectomy, and about 35 to 40% in bilateral, either by the staged one or you do everything in one time. So that's a big difference, and that was also significantly mm. different. So yeah. if you have, if you do only one side, you get less complications than if you do both sides, which is kind of logical because, you know, it's much more difficult to close those cats uh, after you take both yeah. of the chains. And, and then that what we also found was that the median progression-free survival time, this is also called the disease-free interval. So that means from the time that you do the surgery until the time that the disease comes back, either, you know, yeah. uh, locally or distant, but as soon as you know the disease comes back. And that was for bilateral mastectomy, 542 days, and for mm -hmm. unilateral mastectomy, approximately half of that time, 280 yeah. days. So that yeah. was a big, big difference. So the Catholic yeah. of bilateral had a much better prognosis. Let's look at the, at the details of those numbers because that is really important, I think. So there's, there's as a matter of fact, two uh, major things that we normally look at in, in these, these case studies. One is the disease-free interval that we just talked about, and then the survival time. And the survival time is really how long the cat survives after the surgery. And you can use some very difficult statistic tests where cats that survive or that die from other causes are kind of censored. So that's what they did. So yeah. this is a really good job in, yeah. in, in, in looking at that. The other thing that I thought was really, really interesting of this study is that uh, most of these cases have progressive disease. So 60% yeah. of the cats will have progressive disease either by local recurrence or by metastasis. And we know that this disease is really bad. Um, and if you look at the local recurrence between unilateral and bilateral, the local recurrence was around 50% in unilateral, so that's really high, compared to about 20% yeah. in bilateral. So there's a big difference yeah. there. And then the metastasis, it was around 55% in the unilaterals, and about 35% in the bilaterals, which also means that, you know, even if you take out both glands, 
there's still a pretty high chance of metastasis in these cats. But if you leave one gland, the reason that we don't like to do that in cats is, is that you extend the time of tumors that are in the other gland to metastasize. So that is the main reason yeah. that we've always said to do uh, bilateral mastectomies. And we know that the size of the tumor matters, too. I know it's not part of this paper, but some other papers have looked at the size of the tumor at the time of surgery. And, and I think the take-home lesson there is that even when these tumors are really small, they may already have started to metastasize. They don't and have to be exactly. able to do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there, there, there's yeah. a couple of, of factors that, that play a role in uh, when you look, because what they did is a, a multivariate analysis when they put all the factors together and then look at which are the factors that really make a, make a difference. And there was the type of mastectomy that we talked about, tumor ulceration, mm-hmm. if it was present or not, if there were lymph node metastasis at the time of surgery, and tumor location. And tumor location was interesting for me because that's the first time I've heard that. Uh, and so yeah, if you have a tumor too. in in the fourth gland, so in the last gland, close to the... Caudal uh, gland, yeah. Exactly. Uh, they have a higher risk, and that risk was about twice as high as if you don't have, you know, if the tumor is in one of the other glands. And, and the biggest well, there's probably some anatomy is, reason, right? It's probably, there's probably something about the anatomy there. Yeah, probably, but they don't really know. I mean, that's the thing. No. Um, and yep. uh, I would, you know, for me, it would be a lot more logical if it was the number one because those are more difficult to remove. But, you know, no, it's, it's, ah. it's number four. So from a certain yep. perspective, it's not not really logical. There was not really a big difference between the uh, the staged one, so where you do one side, wait six weeks, and do another side, which, which I thought was also an interesting fact. And they seem to like that. I, you know, I, I gather um, that um, they felt that it, it may be worthwhile thinking about uh, doing a staged fashion, doing it in a staged fashion, right? They said performing a bilateral mastectomy in a staged fashion might decrease your complication rate. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, if you, you know, I like mm. when I, I have reviewed a lot of articles, and you know you have done that too, so I always look at the tables and the pictures. Um, and if you look at table two, you see the difference between a unilateral mastectomy, and this table is not the, the easiest table to read, but there is a double chance of infection of dehiscence with a, a single-session bilateral mastectomy compared to either right. unilateral or staged bilateral. So I think right. that was really cool. And what they did is they added, yeah. you know, complications of one and the other side in the staged bilateral mastectomy. So I thought that was that was pretty cool how they did that. Yeah. So once again... Well done, well done. And then the figure yeah. in figure two and figure one on page uh, 1399, there you can really see the strength mm. of uh, the difference of the oh, two yeah. uh, with big p-values. But this is the Kaplan-Meier. You know, I did a lot of research and you yep. know, we were always hoping that the Kaplan-Meier would look like this. And this is when they, they fear away from each other. That's when they're significant. Yep. And you can see the significance really, really well between bilateral and unilateral mastectomy. So if we look at survival time, so we just talked about disease-free period before. If you look at survival time, then it was, I think, 375 days for all cats. But then if you look at the cats that had a bilateral mastectomy, the survival time was over 1,000 days, so 1,140 Mm -hmm. days. 
compared to 473 days uh, with a unit error mastectomy. We do have to realize that these data are, if you look at when it was done, most of the caps that were done were really early, uh, so in the 90s with the unilateral mastectomy. So we have some yeah. time bias right there. And, and, and that is, you know, and I, I think that, that speaks to you and I both have been veterinarians a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that speaks to our evolving um, thoughts about how to deal with these patients because around the time that I graduated in the, in the late 1980s, we were still talking about doing whether we should do lumpectomies on those cats, and, right? And we moved from yeah, lumpectomy right. to single-chain mastectomy, right? And then we moved from single-chain to, to exactly this scenario, do you do single or you do double? So I think you're exactly right. Um, the, there, that, that bias is inherent in this study because of that time frame. Those earlier cats were done at a time when it probably just wasn't as common to do uh, bilateral mastectomy. Yeah, and, and, and it's, and it's the, you know, I didn't need that timestamp, Susan, by the way, because I feel really young still, but <laughs> it, it is true. It is true. <laughs> but it's true, right? Yes. You, you see the change, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the other reason I think that's important is, so what, when, and you've had this experience too, I'm sure, so you're talking to an owner, right? We just found, I have a case I talk about in lectures, actually, a kitty named um, Jasper, where we found um, a small mass, very small, just on uh, an annual uh, checkup. And that owner is coming in for annual checkup, you know, vaccinations, et cetera, and they're leaving with a cancer diagnosis. And not only is it a cancer diagnosis, but I'm talking about really quite extensive surgery. So there is, I think, a, an inherent reluctance to, to, uh, to tackle these bigger surgeries in, yeah. in cats when it looks like they've got a small mass. And we exactly need this type of data to reinforce for us how important it is to talk to the owner about the, doing the bigger surgery, um, doing, even if it's a stage bilateral and, and, uh, and not being tempted to do a much more limited surgery on these cats. Yeah, you're completely right there. So, so as surgical oncologist, uh, that one of the first things I said to, to my clients that came to me and you have to realize they went to the primary vet first and then they were referred to me mm. is cancer is bad in cats. So however, even if it's a very small one, at least you have a chance there, but you have to do a major, major surgery and, and, and memory carcinoma is the ideal, uh, example of that. You know, there come yeah. to be multiple little, you know, Less than pea-sized masses in the memory chain. The memory chain needs to go. I mean, there's there's no. Yeah. Uh, and 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 interestingly enough, uh, uh, remind me of that. But because I just want to talk about the uh, the the multivariate analysis that they did for the uh, for the survival time. Then we saw that the type of mastectomy once again was uh, a, a very important factor. Lymph node mm-hmm. metastasis, which you know it's logical because that means it's one stage mm. further already. And then the treatment of chemotherapy uh, and the development of metastasis either local or distant. And here comes the chemotherapy system. So Yeah. Al- this was so, interesting to me. Yeah, so although it had no effect, it was not a significant factor in the disease free interval, it is in the survival time. 
And when that comes out in an article, you always have to be a little skeptical because that yes, doesn't I make agree. a lot of sense. So we use right. chemo to decrease, you know, the you know the incidence of metastasis or recurrence. Right. And there it had no effect, but it ha- it might have slowed it down. So that that might be one of the reasons. Uh, if, yeah. If you would ask me if your cat would get, I would put them on chemo. If it doesn't hurt. It, it definitely may help. So that would be my advice at the moment, but there is not really, really strong evidence uh, for the It isn't clear, and, and it's, and it's no. also not clear what what is the best drug or the best drug protocol either. So it is a bit, it's a bit murky. Yeah, that's exactly it. And last but not least, so going back to the original discussion uh, about uh, what we're talking about just previously, and... If, if I am a reviewer once again, and I, I read these articles often with my reviewer glasses on, um, yes. the, I thought the discussion was, I loved the article, but the discussion was, you know, too long for me. And especially because they're now putting a link into, uh, in a way which was interesting, but it was not really supported by the data that they got uh, to cancer, memory cancer in, in people. Yeah, quite, really a, quite a bit there. There's, I know it was very, very. It's hard to link really it up, though. Hmm. Yeah, so there was no relationship. So I mean, it, it's interesting to do it. So I, if I would be an editor uh, or a reviewer, I probably would have kicked out most of that stuff because it didn't really yeah. relate to what they were looking at. So it didn't relate to no. the hypothesis, and that makes these articles often really difficult to read. Although the information was very, very interesting and also yeah. correct. The yeah. one thing I fell over at the end was then uh, was this sentence, and maybe I'm getting a little bit too strict here, but it said, <laughs> uh, when it was talking about chemotherapy again, it was said, and because there are similarities between aggressive breast cancer in women and memory adenocarcinoma in cats, results of yeah. the present studies support the use of adjuvant chemotherapy in cats with memory carcinoma. It seems a bit strong, doesn't it? It it, seems a a bit of a reach. It does. So what I want to point out with this is be critical when you read these articles. It was a wonderful article, I think, on most things. Probably the discussion was not the strongest, but you cannot say that. that This is based on nothing. I mean, this is not supported by the study at all. And so you have to be very, very careful here. And, And that's something I think that probably the editor should have picked up on uh, and probably have should have taken out for me. But uh, so that's, that's that's my personal opinion. So the last thing I want to yeah, say is that there was no significant difference between surgical margins. Did you see that? Ah, good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Oh. So so that's, uh, that's the last thing that we want to talk about. So really between clean, bigger than two that's millimeters, narrow, Smaller than two millimeters. Why? There was no really difference. Why? Uh, because the numbers are too small, most likely. So uh, you know, you know, there's really, really it's small. It's underpowered. I bet, I bet. So that must be it. Uh, because, it and then the, the the definition of margins is interesting. So they use very, very small margins. So normally mm. we look at five two millimeters. Yeah. And then right. less than five, and you know, whatever. But, right. Uh, so we don't want right. to put a lot of faith in that. Right? So, but we do want to put faith in the fact that we should be talking about bilateral mastectomy, even if you only have one little mass in one gland, 
right? We should be for the if the owner is going to go for surgery, we should be talking about bilateral mastectomy, and it's certainly okay to do it in a staged fashion, right? And that's exactly it. So uh, I, I think that that that's good. And then I think more recently people done about the stage one, because I think the, probably the complication rate will be a little less, uh, probably also yeah. will be less painful for the cat, because they don't talk about the yeah. discomfort of the cat at all, which, you know, oh, we yeah. are very, very strong about the fear-free, treat the animal right, you don't want to have an animal that is miserable for the next yeah. two weeks. And it's a painful surgery, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a significant soft tissue trauma, this surgery. Um, and uh, pain control is paramount. So for me, that's another reason why a stage surgery makes sense. And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So yeah. we are aligned again. Okay, so um, cool. let's do uh, the the last topic. So we're running over a little bit, but this is so cool. Is hot cat news. And now, hot cat news. So, Susan, did you find hey. anything? I do. I have some hot cat news. Ooh, I, exciting. I have lots of hot cat news, but I'm going to hold on to some of them for, for like the future. So mm-hmm. what I and I, what I do want to mention um, in this podcast because it kind of fits with the surgery topic that we just talked about, and that is that this year, 2018, the American American Association of Feline Practitioners published their feline anesthesia guidelines. So they are amazing. They are available for free. You don't have to be a member of AASP to access them. So our website is catvets, C-A-T-V-E-T-S dot com. We have a guidelines section, and the anesthesia guidelines are available there for free. And they were done by amazing people uh, like uh, Dr. Sheila Robertson, Dr. Peter, Peter Pasco, who was one of my professors when I was in school, Dr. Heidi Shafford and, uh, and, and a number of other uh, really brilliant people. So they're feline specific. Uh, they're done by great people. They're practical. So please have a look at them at catbets.com. That is pretty How's awesome. That, that is Thank pretty you. awesome. And I love it. I, you know, yeah. I, I didn't read them completely, but I started with them and they're, they're really awesome. So, uh, and the one there thing is that, a brochure for clients. They, that's one, one of the new things yeah. that we've been doing with guidelines mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously the guidelines are produced for the veterinarians and the vet nurses, but this set of guidelines, like many other recent ones, also have a brochure for talking to clients. And the other last thing I would about these guidelines is it includes a number of FAQs on troubleshooting things like how do you deal with bradycardia? How do you deal with hypotension? Um, how do you deal with uh, prolonged recoveries? So, so practical. Yeah, that's wonderful. That is uh, yeah, great tip, great tip, great tip. All right, so I have one too. And you do. Time, What's yours? It, it comes from Purdue University News. So this was uh, posted you. on July 18, 2018. Okay. And it is yeah. about a Bengal cat, and I love Bengal cats. They're so beautiful. But tell me, is Susan, are they also thing? are they also practical? <laughs> Bengal cats? Bengal mm-hmm. cats are gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I heard they this have a a very strong, I bet. strong personalities. Okay, yes, answer the question. They do. No, yeah. What, what was so the question? I, I forget the question. Uh, so what, what is typical about a Bengal cat? What, so what kind of owner should buy a Bengal cat? 
somebody who really loves cats because they are active, they're gorgeous, they're intelligent? No? Yeah, that's me. So I should buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Good answer, Susan. I, 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 will, I will add it to my... Uh, no, I'll add it to my 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 uh, gift list for Yola. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, okay. FC Veterinary Teaching Hospital and Purdue University College of Veterinary Medicine, they put in uh, a total hip in a bangle cap. No. So, yeah, they did. So it they were talking been about done. the. Sorry. Has it not been done before? It's not been done before. Um, I think they did before. But they said that, you know, most people do uh, what we call an FHO or a femoral head excision or osteotomy, uh, where yeah. you just whack off the head. And they said that, you know, we, they did it in people. And when they started people, as a matter of fact, the technique came from the dog, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then yeah. they said, you know, if we do it in dogs, and as a matter of fact, in dogs, uh, they start doing it in smaller and smaller and smaller dogs. Why not in cats? Yeah. So... This is a Fritchie, a two-year-old Bengal cat that, uh, and you see a very cute picture of Fritchie in the uh, aquatic treadmill. And that also gives, once oh. again, uh, it, it debunks a myth that cats don't like yeah. water because this cat lost yeah. water. So, and there's and a little yeah, cool I feel, YouTube I video. will go in treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. So, as a matter of fact, cool. I, I, was, I can't remember which university I was at, but... Uh, uh, they showed me the pool, and there was a cat swimming in the pool. It was the, the you know, the, the rehab pool, and it was really cold. So the cat had these, the, the, the little, they did put these uh, safety harnesses on there, and the cat was motoring around, so it was really cool. So good good for Purdue for doing this uh, yeah. and writing about it to the public. So we are so out yeah. of time. Uh, thank you, Susan, ah, for okay. a wonderful podcast again. This is so cool. Thank you. Um, too much, you know. We yeah, we do. we do. Yeah. We do. All right. Thank you very much, and see you next time. Okay. Until the next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, the Cat Clinical Medicine and Management, and August's Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. You can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently for Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX.